Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. And circulating of miracles, of great and mighty workings of God. We're always suspicious of those especially when they're accompanied by teachers who are, haven't, haven't come up through the, through the system, that we haven't vetted, that we haven't known. And so, over the last few weeks, we've been having him to our homes. We have been listening to him as he taught. We have been watching him and his followers, his disciples. And on this particular occasion, I was there. I was there. And, 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 and we, were, we were watching him and, and listening to him and noticing. And one of us, look at how he welcomes sinners. People who have who have, have, have missed the mark, who are outside, and, 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 and tax collectors. And, and, and not just do, do, they, do they come and hear him teach, that must be who he attracts. But he, he eats with them. And, and when he does that, he risks. Doesn't he know? Doesn't he know he risks? Becoming one of them? Unclean? Ineligible for temple? He must have heard us. Because <laughs> the next thing we knew, he, in that voice of his that captured the crowd, captured the audience, told a parable. It was not uncommon. We had all done it ourselves, or our rabbis had. And there he told these stories. He looked up at us. Which of you, he said, having a hundred sheep and losing one, would not, would not leave the ninety-nine wandering in the wilderness and go and search diligently to find that one? Well, the fact of the matter is not one of us would do that. Even though we considered ourselves as Pharisees the, the shepherds of the house of Israel, our task was much more symbolic than, than literal. A hundred sheep? That's, that's good. Ninety-nine? Who would miss the one? But, but this, this shepherd, he said would go out and search diligently in the, in the off chance, in the hope that he might find the one sheep that was lost. That was at risk of being destroyed. And, and, and then he said, when, when he finds that one, wouldn't he, wouldn't he pick it up and carry it on his shoulders like he did when that sheep was a little lamb? 
and was being trained to the shepherd's voice. Carrying that sheep who had rolled around in who knows what and had been cut and bleeding with what knows what, wrapping, wrapping that sheep like a cloak around his neck and carrying that sheep, not back to the fold, but into the center of the town and calling all his friends to come and rejoice that one sheep which was lost has been found. Rejoicing that one sheep which was lost had been found. Which of you shepherds wouldn't do that? And then he said... "Eh." In the same way, the heavens rejoice, the angels rejoice over one sinner who comes to repentance. And then he looked at us and said, as opposed to the 99 who have no need of repentance. Or or consider, he said, going on, a second story. A woman with ten silver coins, clearly signaling the dowry that she had received, which was her gift from her father. And losing one of those coins, perhaps in one day she was out cleaning them or looking at them or reminding herself of them, and one of them slipped and fell and disappeared wouldn't she, wouldn't she turn the house upside down to find that, that one coin? Well, yeah, maybe the silver, silver, one coin in ten, silver, her life. She would, she would get the broom. She would light the lamp. She would look under the couch. She would lift the carpet. She would look until she found that. And then she would invite friends and would rejoice that she had found the one coin. We're recognizing a theme of lost and found and rejoicing as he tells us these stories. We're still trying to figure out how he is going to speak of the Holy One of Israel. How does that, how do these stories help us know who he is? Help us learn his story. And like all good teachers, he finally gets to his point. The third story. And he said, A certain man had two sons. We're familiar with all of those two son stories. They are part of our rich, rich history from Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau. We know how the stories turn out. He has two sons. And the younger of the sons says to his father, I want what is going to come to me on your death. I'm tired of waiting. Now, any respectable Jewish father would recognize that in that son's request, 
was a wish that he, the Father, were dead. For that's the only way to get what is coming to him. We have no resources but our land, our property, our holdings. And in order to, to meet the son's outrageous request, he would have to liquidate his estate or the part of it that would come to the youngest son. There are two boys. So the oldest son would receive two-thirds of the estate, the youngest, the one-third. This father was by all rights entitled to bring his youngest son up on charges before the elders. They ought to have stoned him for such disrespectful treatment of the father. But instead, this father liquidated his estate and gave into his irresponsible younger son's hands fully a third of his resources. Keeping the two-thirds back for the oldest son and for his own provision until it was the time for him to die. And in not too many days, Jesus went on to say, this younger son took all that he had been given and went to a far-off land. And you know what happens in those far-off lands with people who have big bags of money with holes in the bottoms of them. And sure enough, it wasn't too long, Jesus said. It wasn't too long. before he had lost it all. And all of the friends that he had bought with his inheritance disappeared and left him lying in the street after one particularly long night. He woke up and realized he had no resource. And so he had negotiated with one of the landowners of that community to work in his fields and to feed, can you believe it, to feed, can you believe it, his pigs. You could hear the crowd. <gasps> we have nothing to do with good Jews with pigs. And here he was. That is as low as a man can get. And there he was, not just feeding the pigs, but living with them. And so severe was his hunger that he wanted to eat the, the carob pods that the pigs were being fed. He ate what the pigs ate. And then, one morning, came to his senses. What am I doing here? I barely have enough to survive on. And if the weather turns, I won't. And even the, 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 the lowliest servant of my father has clothes to wear and a place to sleep and food to eat. I will go back to my father. I will go back to my father. 
and I, 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 will, I will humble myself. Yes, that's what I will do. I will humble myself. And I will say what is truest of true things. I am not worthy to be called your son. Well, he got that right. But treat me as one of your hired servants so that I don't die. And that day he got up and made his long, lonely, hard way back. to the familiar land of his father. Rehearsing his speech of readmission in his mind. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just let me be as one of your hired servants. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And, 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 and as he got closer to his, his home, as he began to recognize turns in the road, as he saw the, 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 the leaves on trees that he had grown up with, he chanced one moment to look up. And there, and there, running towards him, his robe hiked up around his knees in a manner most unseemly for an old man like his father, came puffing down the road, concerned he would have a heart attack. And there the father, weeping, ran into him and embraced him with such ferocity that his mumbled speech, I am no way God born in the robes of his father. The servants running along behind, wondering what it was that had caused their master to run down the road across the field to see, to see if that faint spot on the horizon was his boy coming back home. Caught up finally with the father and received their instructions. Find a robe, the best robe, the best robe for my boy. And a ring, bring a ring to signal his readmission to the family. My boy, my son, which was lost, is found. He was dead, and he's alive. Rejoice with me. Kill the fatted calf. Bring in. It's time to celebrate. And so that's what happened. Jesus said, that boy, which was as good as and should have been dead, that, that, that boy was now the guest of honor, a robe around his shoulders, a ring on his finger, a place at his father's table, and a celebration of his return. But the story Jesus told didn't end there. There was another brother, Jesus said. An older brother. The responsible older brother. Come in from the fields from having done his father's will. 
and hears the sound of celebration. He hears the dancing. He hears the music. He hears the celebration. And he asked one of the servants, what is this? And the servant says, your brother who was dead is alive, lost, is found, and your father is celebrating. My father is celebrating with whose stuff? So he stood out under a tree. Word came to the father, who for the third time in this outrageous, made-up story, leaves the party to come out to his oldest son, who is now dismissing and disrespecting him in the same way that his younger brother did months before. My son, come. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. Come, share in the celebration. (laughs) This son of yours, he said, has taken your... Wealth and has squandered them on 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 prostitutes. How ever did he know that? I wonder. And and while living and 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 then he comes home, and you throw him a party as if he had done nothing wrong, as if love alone were enough to embrace. And I, I, who have not left home, who have served you all of these years, I don't even get a goat to celebrate with my friends. And at this, the heart of the Father was broken again. Oh, my son. Celebrate with me. Your brother was dead and alive and is now alive. Lost and is now found. Come in. The last scene in the story is of the father turning to go back into the celebration of the returned. And the son standing on the outside of the father's love. It was a horrible story. Because we, by the time he got to the third one, knew about what he was speaking. He made God out, the most holy one of Israel, God out to be a fool for love. 
to risk unspeakable for the sake of one loss. To pursue at risk of His holiness a sheep that was lost. To pursue with diligence a coin that was lost and to wait with arms open and heart broken for a son, knowing that pursuing a lost boy is not the same thing as pursuing a lost sheep. Waiting. Until there should be some hint of return. It was the Father's love that made it possible for the Son to come back. Who is going to protect the holiness of the Holy One of Israel? If this is the story of God. Who is, who is going to determine who's, who's in and who's out? We had spent our lives becoming experts in other people's sin. And now he was saying, there's more rejoicing in heaven. over one who returns than we 99 who stand on the outside with the older brother and listen to the sound of the celebration. Who, who, who could believe in a God like that? He's dangerous. I promise you that. He's dangerous. Because if this gospel is heard, there's no telling who might come in. Mark my words. Let's pray. Oh Lord, as we sit with this familiar story, these familiar stories, we find ourselves so longing to be the boy, to be the sheep, to be the coin that you came searching diligently for, and many of us in this room really are. We have been the beneficiaries of your outrageous, ridiculous acceptance of sinners. You have invited us to table. You have thrown a celebration for us. And we, oh God, now find ourselves in the place of the older brother sometimes. Wondering if there's a limit to your love. Really. Whether it's just too good to be true. You allow yourself to become a fool for love's sake.
And some of us, O oh Lord, sit here this morning and wonder what in the world it might be like to be loved like that. To risk outrageous acceptance. And to have to decide whether we will go in to the celebration. I pray, O oh Lord, that um, as we take a few minutes and just sit in the stillness of the story, the story of a prodigal, sloppy, ridiculous God whose love drove him to foolishness. Pray for courage. We who stand afar off, we who don't wish to risk being loved for no good reason, we who want to earn everything we receive so we're in control, Help us to know the deep truth of the Father of Jesus who loves just like this. Who loves us just like this. Who loves our neighbor just like this. Who loves our enemy just like this. Lord, for courage to say yes and to enter into the celebration of such love. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org. Thank you.